Welcome to Design by Us, the show where we discuss how humans design the world. My name is Ravi Chohan, and with you, as always, is Luigi D'Entrono. Hey, Luigi. Hello. How are you? I'm very good. I'm but, very good. Uh, I listened to the previous episode, and we were doing this, uh, uh, what's the name? ASMR. ASMR mm-hmm. voices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that actually made it in. Good. Yeah, oh, made it in. I thought it was okay. pretty good. I need to catch um, up on the shows. Anyway. Uh, what are we talking about today? A lot of big news in the design world. We've got a lot of big news today, Luigi. Yeah. We're going to talk about the three things that are on everyone's mind. Number one, one of our, I wouldn't say favorite websites, but a website that I think everyone knows has been brutally redesigned. And we'll talk about brutally and brutalism maybe in just a bit. One of our favorite tools has been brutally taken from us. Spoilers. Um, it might be Figma. Uh, and also one of our uh, queens have died. Uh, unfortunately, uh, resulting in a very interesting uh, crowd management uh, piece of work, which we're delighted to talk about later. We're not delighted to talk about it, of course, it's a very sad occasion, but there's some interesting takeaways when it comes to how to manage a queue that big. So um, how about we start with The Verge, Luigi? The Verge, yeah. So The Verge basically launched the whole whole new experience in their website. So Mm -hmm. basically the way you read and consume content from The Verge is completely different now. And why is that important? Well, I think The Verge is one of the biggest tech and design companies. Most of the people, at least I do, I scroll from The Verge from time to time. And it's quite interesting to see that they have done a, a whole revamp in one go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any thoughts? Before we go into the, the weeds, any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, like overall, um, it's definitely, uh, it's bold. It's really, really bold. And it's really, really interesting. Uh, Nile Patel, uh, the kind of like managing editor, senior editor, wrote a uh, post on The Verge explaining what's happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, interestingly, they said that um, behind behind the design um, is actually uh, an urge to reshape the relationship between the users and, and The Verge. Uh, essentially, they wanted to be the antidote to the algorithmically kind of like um, dedicated world that we live in. Um, so the whole idea is now that when you're looking at that Verge homepage, you're seeing yeah. content that's been created by real humans uh, yeah. along topics that make sense. Uh, and I thought that was really, really interesting. And and actually, I looked um, I looked up the Verge's numbers uh, on SEMrush, so you can see kind of a little bit about what SEMrush thinks about the amount of traffic that's been going on uh, and things like that. Um, and actually, since about two years ago, the Verge has been on a long term decline in terms of the, in terms of the amount of traffic they've been getting. So I was wondering nearly about I don't know like a third or so. And um, what I'm wondering is if this re- redesign was in response to that. Yeah, I think that's how they position it. Uh, to be honest, you can put any business request into a user story. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we need to reconnect with our users. But in the end, I think that it's like, look, we have been ranking shit for SEO. We are we're not we're we're not engaging our users. Users maybe bounce rates were high, and they were like, you know what? Let's just redesign it. <laughs> yeah, and actually, uh, let's, let's make let's it talk- SEO friendly, probably. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But let, let's let's talk. Well, actually, um, on SEO. Um, how much of their traffic do you reckon they get from Google? Uh, I, do you have the answer? I do have the answer according to SEMrush, yeah. Because marketers... Can I give you a, per- a percentage? Because yeah, I, don't, I really percentage. don't know they did. Okay. Um, so we have what? Uh, organic social, organic traffic. I would say people sharing stuff. I would say it's about uh, 15%. 30% of their traffic comes from Google. Only and, 30%. Yeah, 30%. And 60% comes direct. And when, direct. I saw those fig- when I saw those figures, it made me realize that actually they've probably quite got... You know they want a strong to, brand, all right? 
Yeah, they've got a strong brand, but they want they want to support the user who comes and has a look at them. You know, oh, let me just browse the Verge. Do you know what I mean? I would see it differently, though. I would see they want to support the user. If, if we control I this, let's see what happens. Because you can see some of the metadata they have added in here. Mm -hmm. So I would see a different, I, I would say you have the 60% of users who already know you and they're coming here. Mm -hmm. And then you have a 15% which, which is an untapped market, mm -hmm. which is like people that are searching for something that have no idea who the Verge are. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we have the potential to be ranking first for those new, for those keywords people are searching for and the, mm -hmm. this news. If I look at it, I think the whole, if you go to an, every new page, you have loads of content and internal linking going on. Mm -hmm. um, so if you scroll to the bottom of the page and to the side of the page, you have at least five articles who are, that are being recommended. Mm -hmm. You have also the, the top navigation. I don't remember how it was the previous one, but it has a lot of internal links as well mm -hmm. in all the pages. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Well, you're basically if something ranks and is on top of the on on top of the above the fold or in the the top. I'm not an, an SEO expert or anything, but my guess is that if if something is above the fold or in the main navigation, you're telling Google, "Hey, these links are important. I'm ranking, hence I'm saying that these links on top of the navigation are also important." Mm -hmm. So the more things you have in there, and mm -hmm. the, the flatter your your hierarchy is, mm -hmm. then you're telling Google. Hey, these these things, these things are also important, and they're important for similar users who are searching for this. Mm -hmm. And if you have recommended content in the bottom, you're also telling Google, "Hey, these things are related. If this is important for this user who search for these words, then this all, all these others are related." I'm sure someone will come and say, "Hey, that's not right, and it's probably not fully right, but the idea is there." I can just hear the the joy in your voice dying every time you think about SEO. <laughs> It's not my favorite topic, but it's a very important one. Oh, well, let's move you on to happier climbs. What do you think about the actual... Well, I'll quickly explain what they've done with the redesign. Uh, they've changed the logo uh, to something kind of super fractured, um, quite modern. They've introduced mm. three uh, new like typefaces. That? Well, we'll talk about opinions in a second. They've introduced three new typefaces. Uh, FK Roman, which is a serif font that they're using for their body copy. Manuka, which is like super squished. It's a little bit like Impact. If you remember uh, that on uh, Microsoft Word back in the day, uh, mm -hmm. and Poly Sans, which is a pretty straightforward uh, Sans serif font, uh, pretty modern. They've also introduced a very in-your-face color palette: um, bright purples, lime yeah. greens, very vibrant red, uh, and, and a pink and like a kind of a corally color as well. Um, and it means that like to some effect with just this typography change and just this color change is very in your face, I think it's fair to say. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like that. Another thing that I really like, which is if the, everything is just like a thread, mm -hmm. so it's just like one one below the other. Mm -hmm. So you're reading it, you're reading this, this type of content like in Hacker News, for example, mm -hmm. right? And you have like a two column layout, one for ads and recommended content and one for the actual content, mm -hmm. if, you, if you know what I'm talking about. Are you talking then, about the homepage or are you talking about like just a normal kind of like news story? Uh, I'm talking about the homepage, category pages, um, where you, if, you, if, you, if you click on tech, you will see. Um, right, yeah, 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 yeah. If that makes sense. Um, they also have embedded videos within the page for you to engage. So they have like stories, if that makes sense. So you have a story like this, the, the story you see on Instagram, but with yes. their news. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. that's actually pretty interesting. It's a very engaging way to do that. Yeah. We might need to steal that. <laughs> Yeah. What is also really interesting is the way they have done categories on the site, which is yeah. not very intrusive. 
like categories, I would say it comes to a world where the headline is what is really important. Yeah. Like people don't really search for the latest Apple things, right? Like they, if you see the thing, the headline, then that's what is important. I would say, I wouldn't say people just search for Apple, for example, as one of the categories. You don't think people browse and go to like, oh, let me just see the latest Apple news. Um, I think people go on Google and search for that. Okay, interesting. They wouldn't go to The Verge. Interesting. Well, I think I think I think that's the type of behavior that they're trying to create with this. Like they're trying yeah. to make it browsable, and they're trying to make you come here before you maybe search on Google and that kind of thing. Yeah. One of my favorite things that they've done, uh, The Verge originally back in the day uh, started off as more of a tech blog, uh, yeah. and they've brought blogging back uh, to to The Verge. Uh, they have something called Today's Story Stream, uh, which is on the um, main page, the root, the the root page. And they've also implemented this particular feature across all of the kind of uh, content pages as well and some of the category pages as well. Um, and what this is, is basically a return to what they call uh, old school blogging. So the idea is it's almost like uh, the way it functions, the way it looks like is uh, an internal Twitter feed, um, which is only accessible to be posted on by Verge staff and Verge, Verge members. And the way that you access that Twitter timeline, so to speak, is on the Verge itself. Um, and Nile Patel in his blog post where he was launching this, he said, you know, we don't actually mind linking out to competitive news sources and that kind of thing via this kind of um, story stream timeline uh, mm -hmm. interface because we just want to add value to people who come to The Verge and we want to make sure that people understand that The Verge is the home of kind of the best tech news going. And I I, I mean, that, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's very much like an antidote. It's very much it's, it, what it reminds me of is what Instagram used to be before they did the um, algorithm update where it was like, here are the latest photos yeah. from people that you have curated in the order in which they posted them. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I agree, I agree. I like that a lot. I think it's a cool idea. The fact that you can see the latest social media uh, posts as well are pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they have, they basically combine latest posts from TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and they just, from The Verge, and combine, it, combine that in the same timeline. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if they, sh I don't think they show all of them though. Um, no, I don't think they do. No. I think it's something that's kind of manual. I think it's someone's job to kind of edit the story stream. Yeah, that makes sense. Question for you. Do you think this redesign is kind of more user hostile? Because that I've, I'll, I'll, re I'll read you some of the comments that I've seen around online of this. I'm a designer. Uh, somebody says, I'm a designer. I'm all for new and crazy designs. Uh, but I usually go to The Verge uh, once a day to check out new tech gadgets and sound bites in the tech world. And this new design makes it incredibly hard, uh, difficult to do. The headline font is so hard to scan. Uh, that means kind of like read and get the information out of it and pass it. Yeah. Uh, and they really lost density on the main, main page. I think this goes beyond everybody hates change. And it's like legit criticism. What do you think? I think it's a bit uh, a bit harsh in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think this is my... Okay. It looks good. Okay. But the, the architecture is very hard for me to map it out in my brain. What's the architecture mm -hmm. of the content, right? Yeah, uh, and I, it's not really easy. Easy, ta it's not very tangible, right? It's not easily accessible, and I think that's a problem that I'm facing. It's like yeah. I, I don't know where I am in the website. Yeah. Um. So that's maybe why, yeah, searchability might not be as easy. And also, search is not really that accessible, huh? Yeah. I, I thought that would if if you put such a thing like the Verge, I would fuck. I, I don't know. I guess they use their data. Maybe people were not using search that much, or didn't have the resources to invest in search because it's mm -hmm. so hard. Mm -hmm. But if you use if you have such a website like like The Verge and people are so used to relying on search, I would I would have put search more prominent in the homepage. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, somebody else says uh, I've done loads of redesigns in my career and there's always resistance to change in some degree. But this, full stop, this is something else. This is dangerous for the business. Damn. <laughs> um, 
and, and and actually a lot of people online and, and one or two youtube videos I've, I've watched of people critiquing this i've used the word brutalism that this is kind of like uh imposing and and, and user hostile um would you agree i mean it depends uh it seems like they did this from one moment to another right this whole mm-hmm. redesign mm-hmm. i don't know i wouldn't say it's a it's brutalism i hope they did some research and mm-hmm. some testing before mm-hmm Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, okay. the, who cares what what I think or what designers think? If the data is there to support uh, increasing traffic, then it's art. It's, it's passion. It's it's yeah. kind of like human expression. That's what it is. That's what well, it is. And a website can be that. All right. Yeah, it can. And that's what I think they achieved. But some yeah. people are saying that that expression is dangerous for the business. Somebody else says it hurts to look at. I disagree. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> and one more comment. Uh, where to begin? Bad contrast, poor hierarchy, poor navigation, poor accessibility, bad usability. And these are all things that I would not say about Figma, our next topic. What a what a segue. A great segue. Talking about Figma, uh, we'll link the, the Diverge Figma announcement as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very interesting. So Figma got acquired by the big dogs, the competition. Ugh, ugh, ugh. And I think we're both really big Figma users. We use it during our free time. I would say I've been using Figma, what, for four years? At least four years. Yeah. Wow. Skybox was started in Figma as well. Seriously. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been, I've seen Figma grow. If that makes sense. It was a <laughs> baby use, when I got it. You, you were using Figma before it was cool. Does that make me cool? Yeah, definitely, hundred okay. percent. Yeah. Then, then yes. Oh, if you're not called on this podcast for using Figma before anybody else, where are you going to be cool? <laughs> yeah. Then, the, yeah, I was using Figma. Yeah. Before. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That. I'll take exactly. it. Um, so basically, the news is that Adobe acquired Figma for $20 billion. $20 billion. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Figma, is it public the ARR that Figma was? 200 million net ARR. Wow. So that's a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hundred times. Nuts, huh? Uh, that's messed up. That's messed up. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about your journey with Figma, like using it for four years. What what gravitated you towards it initially? What helped you continue to use it? Well, Sketch was the other option. If yeah, was paid. I remember that. I remember um, that yeah. Then we had uh, Adobe XD, which was yeah. completely crap. Yeah. And then I ended up in Figma, which was like an awesome product. It's, it's so funny because I I stuck with Sketch back in the day. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. It's just because it was paid, you like to pay for things that. Could be yeah, free, well, but are you like to you like to use cool well. stuff before they're cool yeah <laughs> exactly okay interesting yeah anyway so apparently yeah, there is like the ceo of adobe is, is saying figma or the figma team will have complete autonomy good and that's in quotes they always say that they always say that basically he said that just to say a bit more i think that acquisitions are, are only done well when they are done uniquely based on the company uh, and that you never follow the playbook uh, the chief product officer of Adobe said that. But I don't think Figma here is looking at the numbers. They're not acquiring Figma for Figma, no, Adobe. They're not acquiring Adobe for the potential revenue it might generate. It's, they're acquiring it for the control of the of the ecosystem of tools that allow you to create things. Yeah. That's the only, that's that's why it's worth 20 billion. It's because it, it gives them more control. Yeah, that's absolutely. It. Absolutely. It's covering off. It's covering off um, a, a massive, a massive, um, yeah, massive competitor. It's like it's a little bit like Facebook buying Instagram. That's how I feel. It's exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, it's just the same thing. It's, same it's exactly thing. the same. Yeah, it's exactly same the same. Thing. Very interesting. Adobe was actually actually came out from 
a group of people in uh, in well it was a, a co-founder or a person that was working on the initial studios from um, industrial light and magic which was the the, the department of animation that industrial light and magic had which is star wars that then span out from industrial light and magic and became pixar mm-hmm. so one of that person that was creating software to to create visual graphics in the, in the computer back in the 80s started out a tool that was called adobe photoshop or it was called photoshop mm-hmm. um and then they founded adobe after that so i don't know what i'm saying this but it, i thought it would be a fun fact to share that <laughs> adobe came out, came from pixar um, interesting. Anyway. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's that's interesting. And it's yeah. it's it's cool. It's funny because like you know, ten fifteen years ago, Adobe tools were really you know regarded as the as the best in the business. And now it's like this was met with a unique kind of like this is one of my most liked tweets in in months when I was mm-hmm. like, no, <laughs> this yeah. is bad news. This is bad news. Yeah. And I feel like, do you think do you think Adobe will bring it into Creative Cloud, for example? Yeah, definitely. And I, they will they will probably start charging more. Do you reckon? I think so. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's the, the way to do it. Yeah, what else would you do? Just keep it on the same. The same. What if I if I'm Adobe? Yeah. <sighs> um, I would. That's a good question. I I would make it right. So basically, Adobe has got Photoshop elements, Illustrator elements. I think if they still do, let me just have a look at that. I would basically create a gateway drug using Figma, and I'm not necessarily looking at it for the users that it currently has. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, at 200 million ARR, I know it's a lot, but it's not, you know, trillions. Yeah. However, basically my point is, is that like, what can I do to get the 15 year old kid, the guy who's just starting Skybox, the person who's deciding what tools to use out their startup company or whatever else it might be, what can I do to get them into Adobe? Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe not going towards affinity or things like that. Okay. So you take out the evil anti-competitive aggressive move of just buying out a competitor who's growing like 60 percent year on year growth apparently right so you take that out of the equation you're left with a great product that appeals to people at the beginning of their careers okay doing some of the more basic things right yeah if that makes sense although they're pretty advanced in the prototyping and stuff like that but we'll put that to side one now Uh, we'll put that to one side for now so basically i'm i'm adobe and i'm saying people are starting their design journey with tools that aren't adobe tools so i'm going to buy figma and I'm going to basically bundle stripped down versions of uh, Photoshop yep. and other core products. Because Photoshop and Figma actually work really well together, for example, mm-hmm. right? And equally kind of maybe stripped down versions of Premiere and whatever else it may be. And basically create a whole tier all clustered around Figma for people who are just starting their journeys, if that makes sense. Yep. In and it's not just starting their journeys from a pricing point of view, but actually starting their journeys from a complexity point of view and what they're willing to tolerate and learn point of view as well. Um, so yeah, gateway drugs. Interesting. The way I see it is more which companies or startups are using Figma right now at a lower price point that mm-hmm. could be paying for Adobe, but they simply don't pay for it or could be using Adobe. Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, how, I'd say most companies that have Figma subscriptions probably also have Adobe subscriptions. Like they're not, they're not competitive in that. Really? Yeah. I think you can do most of, if you're a startup and you're actually lean and you're not spending money like crazy, you can do most of the things that you need for your product, mm-hmm. marketing campaigns, presentations, yeah. everything in Figma. Yeah. yeah. Like you have vector design, right? Which yeah. you can do for your banners, social media ads, whatever. Yeah. You can do basic illustrations as, as well for your websites. You can do yeah. all the prototyping, all the, fi- uh, the yeah, all the, 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 what's the name? Yeah, all the UX design, UI design, all of that can be done. Yeah. 
you don't need Adobe if you're just starting. So you think you think Adobe really do see it as a massive competitor to them, and people are. But it just feels to me like if I the things that I do in Figma, I wouldn't ever want to use Photoshop or Illustrator or InDesign to do. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would never want to do that there, ever. But basically, I can I can do the same things that I do in Figma in in these big boy tools. But some of the things I do in the big boy tools, I cannot do in Figma. So mm-hmm. therefore, I don't see them as directly competitive in that sense. Yeah. yeah but you do. But you do. Are you just saying that you do? No, I don't see it in that way. I think I see it like as an upgrade program, right? Like people are paying £16 for Figma or whatever they're paying for, for mm-hmm. a, a tool, uh, a team for in Figma. These people might be willing to pay £21 and just get a, a few, some access to some Adobe tools, which is like the product design department or the product design uh, package that Adobe will offer, mm-hmm. pay extra five or six pounds. So I don't know, a 50 or 40% open the price of Figma and just mm-hmm. offer extra Adobe tools, which are already there. Like actually the, 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 the marginal cost of offering extra tools for Adobe mm-hmm. are not going to be lower. So mm-hmm. I think they're just going to raise the price, offer like some sort of product design package in combination with Adobe Figma, maybe Photoshop, Illustrator, maybe some other tool. And, um, just increase the price, offer a bit more, and keep people keep the people who are using Figma. Because what are they, where are they gonna go? What what is the next best competitor for product design for Figma? Yeah, you're talking uh, Sketch, which yeah. is macOS native and not very good on its cloud features. Yeah, um, you're talking Adobe XD. Yeah, which, which no one really uses. Yeah, and you are talking uh, those are probably the two main things, and then stuff yeah. like people who who prototype in. Um, uh, like Keynote and PowerPoint and stuff like that, but those guys are on another level. Yeah. So maybe Envision. Yeah, you could use Envision. Uh, Canva, Canva as well for more of the flyers and yeah. social media images and that kind of stuff. Using yeah, but you can't really do you can't really do anything besides yeah prototype. Like you can't really do. Let me explain to you why I feel like it's it's not competitive, right? Because okay. like you know, I'm signing up for Shillington, right? Mm-hmm. And Shillington, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a it's a really cool uh, graphic design school. Right, so I'm really excited to be starting there, and I'm sure I'll be sharing some of my experiences on that uh, with the show. But they have they ask you to make sure you've got access to the following tools. Yeah, uh, and that is Photoshop, yeah, Illustrator, yeah, InDesign, After Effects, and guess what the last one is Figma. Figma. Yeah. So this is a graphic design school that says, hey, these things can all do things that the other ones can't do. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think because you are learning, so you, I think, is is a different context. Like you're learning, you need to be used to the different tools. Yes, you can do a few things, but if you're a startup and you're actually willing to pay for something and you're, you, you need to cut costs, what are you going to keep? Figma or Illustrator? Uh, what solves oh, yeah, most definitely. of your problems? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right, right about that. So that, that's, that's what I mean. It's like they're going to raise the price a bit more, offer a bit more tools, maybe better integrations, maybe use some of the Adobe... Adobe has really great like uh, 3D modeling that can be rendered pretty easily in yeah, the cloud. Yeah, Dimension, then, right? Yeah, and then you can yeah. like you can like drag it directly in Figma for your design. So maybe a yeah. better integration to get your designs ready faster. Yeah, um, something like that. Anyway, so I think maybe better integrations, but I think that's that's the move, or that's my prediction at least. I had a question for you, and I can't remember what it was. Just also Behance. Adobe owns Behance. Maybe a better integration to publish your designs. Have some sort of social social credibility with your Figma account. Mm-hmm. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Maybe Figma has also a great community in the templates. Combining that with Behance can also be well well seen in the product. I don't know. There's many things that you can do. Not sure which one to prioritize though. So yeah, finally, yes, they have Substance Designer. 
Dreamware, Dreamweaver, which I'm not sure who uses Dreamweaver now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so Lightroom. So maybe integrating a few of these tools within Figma. We'll see. Oh yeah, I hope I hope that the cloud stuff. Have you ever used Creative Cloud like as cloud storage? No, <sighs> it's a challenge. Oh yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> it's a challenge. To be honest, I don't think I don't think anyone really gets the whole team like making it easy like team shared assets and that kind of stuff. I don't think anyone really gets it right. Uh, like shared mean? libraries for styles and that kind of stuff. But Figma gets it less wrong than Adobe. Oh, like oh, I see what you mean. Like here's the here's the company color palette. Here are the company yeah. uh, textiles for web design. Um, here are the company textiles for print design. What's the issue with Figma? For... Figma does it really well. well. I still think it could be easier. Like let's just put it this way: like we've got maybe seven Figma users in in eight bill right now, and mm-hmm. there isn't any kind of linking up like that at the moment. And it hasn't been organically happened. It needs to be kind of thought through and and made. Like made, obviously we're at an earlier stage, right? So we don't have yeah. that kind of expertise in house, but. I don't know. I just feel like this could be something that makes life a lot easier. It could be a lot better, in my opinion. Okay. Well, my experience in that sense has been really good. But again, yeah. I'm on the other side of this. I'm I'm a user, right? So the design system has already been created. It's completed. Yeah. It's there, and everything is working. No one really needs to edit anything. I would say it's, it's a lot of investment to create that in Figma, and it's a huge amount of investment to keep to create that in Creative Cloud. Yeah, design systems in general is they're very complex. Uh, yeah. And that's why people hire design system designers. It's, it's a career. That sounds like a cool job. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. Anyway, look, one final question, Luigi, I've got for you, right? All right. What's the longest queue you've ever been in? <laughs> fun fact, to get my COVID vaccine. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Fun, fun story. I'm gonna, I'll make it short. Uh, it was about 12 hours. Um, once it took we you 12 were... hours to get a COVID vaccine? Because they told us it was about four, all right? So we were like, okay, four hours, whatever. Four, four became five then five became six and then they told us look it's gonna be about three more hours and we were like look we have been here already six and we are having a good time because i actually i became friends with the people in the queue let's just wait three more hours and three hours became 12 uh, anyway so that's the story that is nuts yeah 12 hour queue like what country was that in manchester the, oh god what was the weather like independent country of manchester what was what was the weather like that was nice it was in the summer so it was oh, pretty okay. good manchester in the summer is the best city in the world Manchester, any time of the year, is the best city in the world. But <laughs> put that by the wayside. Look, the reason why I ask you is because obviously uh, the Queen sadly died. Depending on when you're listening to this, two weeks ago uh, today. Um, and um, essentially, one of the really interesting things that came out of it was the existence of a queue. So essentially, yeah. uh, her body was lying in state. They call it at Westminster Abbey. Westminster Abbey? I mean, somewhere in London. Um, and essentially, there was a huge twelve-hour-long queue, five-mile-long queue uh, that was formed. And what was really interesting is that all of this was pre-planned because they yeah. have like huge contingencies for when the queen died. And some of the tips and tricks that they used in designing this queue are actually really interesting. And one of those was really setting expectations, uh, kind of doing the opposite of your own queuing experience that you were just talking about there. So um, they essentially always tried to make sure that people could know how long the queue was. There was a YouTube uh, live stream that was set up that would always live update with where the queue was starting because obviously yeah. as more people join it, the queue... The starting point would be pushed back and equally how long it might take for you to get through it. What other thoughts do you have about literally, it became known as the queue, which I thought was quite interesting as well. The queue. Yeah, it was like, what, a few miles, no? Yeah, five miles. Yeah, it's yeah. nuts. Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing it in the in the map. Yeah, um, they, they also apparently had to use 500 uh, portaloos along the route, uh, which is crazy. And wait, they what does that mean? Ah, portaloos. Uh, yeah, 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 okay, okay. And they apparently also had a, a wristband system uh, such that you could exit the queue, grab some food and come back and join it. 
Oh wow, interesting. Actually, the queue <laughs> come back and just it's like it's like a concert. But what I don't understand queue. is like when you go to like Rudy's in London, right? There's a virtual queue. Yeah. Why don't they just do a virtual queue? Good By virtual queue, right? I mean the experience is you go up to the front, you say, "Hey, I'd like to come into Rudy's." In this case, I'd like to come and pay my respects. Then you get you say they say, "Okay, what's your phone number? Great, we'll text you when your slot is ready." I think you get into a lot of problems there. Go on, house. Definitely, it? definitely doable. But then you get into problems of people not showing up on time. You, yeah. you, you waste more time. Basically, you, I see it as a machine, right? So, time inside. Let's reverse engineering. Time inside is let's say thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Time it's, while it's not. It's not time inside. Is like literally one minute, two minutes. Really? Like okay. you walk through it. You walk through it. It's like basically it. one minute. Let's say one minute, two minutes. Let's say two yeah. minutes. Uh, and then time entering that section right so by the time you are like okay i see the person hey i'm going in they give you a, a ticket whatever and then you go in let's say that's another three minutes right so it's five minutes yeah. now and then time before at that right it's, it's it's nothing because you're already in the queue so we have a total waiting time of five minutes if we're multiplying that by all of those people which i don't know how many people were in five miles do you do you have any numbers no i don't sorry. no we don't but let's say we are by the time we, we tell someone, we send them a message, hey, your time is ready, come here and wait 10 minutes. It's definitely doable. There are ways of doing it, but I think you're going to waste a lot of time. That, that Those three minutes of going in and coming in are going to become five. And if you multiply two extra minutes by those, all of those people, you waste extra time. I mean, I mean you're, you're right. You're right to ask like how many people were, were in the queue because like those people who are in the virtual queue, for example, would still have to wait somewhere. And in many yeah. ways, from a crowd management point of view, maybe it's best to make sure they're all kind of in a queue, right? It's, it's very regimented and you know it and you can staff it with volunteers and, and things like that to look after it, which is what exactly what happened. Yeah. But then even like, oh, by the way, what if it's a queue for the queue? Like, okay, cool. We need you. That would really smooth flow, right? Like, what if it was you 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 get your virtual text to... To join the queue. <laughs> to join the two-hour queue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To be honest, like, I was thinking about it a lot today and... and I think the ultimate reason probably why they didn't do something like this is maybe just to make it super accessible. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that maybe some older people wanted to pay their respects probably more than yeah. the, the more younger kind of tech fluent people. Yeah. that makes uh, but, sense. Then, but, but then equally, if you're, if you're older, do you really want to wait in a 12 hour queue when you could be waiting in a hotel, for example, uh, in a coffee shop, sitting down? Um, because of course, if the queue's always moving, you can't sit. I don't um, know. Is it, is it more accessible to do it like that? I guess that's a trade-off. I mean, they had like, what, 20 years to design this? Yeah. That's a trade-off they design, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's tricky. It's very tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. Okay. I, I don't think there is a right answer. I would say, mm-hmm. I don't think there is a right answer. It's a, it's a tricky situation. And how do you even estimate how many people are going to show up? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think also things like the weather and things like that have a huge amount to do with it. Yeah. So it's like... that's the thing with expectation. Like if they're like, cause remember it was like a, it was like a national news story. Like, Oh, the queue is five hours today. The queue is eight hours. Today. Yeah. The queue is 12 uh, hours. Today. And that self-regulates in many ways. The number of people are joining. Like cause yeah, if the so... queue was 30 minutes, yeah. I think you and I probably would have gone. Right. Yeah. 12 hours. Maybe not. And maybe you think you, they had like different parameters. So we have like weather, we had like yeah. time of the year. So it increases or decreases the chances of rain. If there's um, a pandemic happening or not. Yeah, pandemic. Yeah. So basically, they were like, okay, these are, these are all our variables. We change them a little bit. And then we just say, we say, this is the potential queue that we're going to expect. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, uh, anyway, on that note, Luigi, um, you know, I think we can kind of circle back to where we are um, because obviously the, the queue and the verge are very similar. 
for reasons Very which are plainly similar. obvious. So um, I think with that, Luigi, do you want to read us out? Yeah, of course. You can go to bios.design where you can find all the links I'm going to tell you now, which is Ravi's Twitter, which is Ravi's Occupied, my Twitter, Luigi underscore Dintrono. You can go to designbios underscore FM in both Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then you can go and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a review if you like the podcast. That will help us a lot. Uh, share some feedback, share some con- comments. And if you didn't like the podcast, just share it to someone who will enjoy it. And support us on Patreon. You will find the blog post that Ravi was talking about and the Verge uh, document that I was talking about in the, in the Patreon free show notes. See you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.